I'm Allison Knowlton Mason. I'm Stanley Bradley, and we're friends turned family, getting together to tell stories, laugh, observe, and think. This is the Family Meeting. Welcome to the Family Meeting, season two, episode three. Super excited because we are in person together. I know, right? And we've never done that before. This is like a sort of special coincidence that I'm in Atlanta the week that we need to record this episode with Jamina. So here we are. We're super excited to have this conversation together. Personally, I'm really excited. Belief is one of my favorite things to talk about right now. And we asked Jamina to come on because she and I had such rich conversations about the first... AKA crazy conversations about (laughs) belief. (laughs) Let's call them rich. Um, About the first version of this conversation between Stan and I. And so, um, you know, you have such a fascinating belief background and current life that I was like, we need to have you as part of this conversation. So here we are and we're in your gorgeous home. Thank you. And we're just like thrilled to be able to put on this like above average presentation here. Um, Hopefully our mark for season two. Well, if all of the technology cooperates, if not, it's all going to go away. We'll just have to get on a Zoom in 48 hours. I'll post a picture and you can see and then you'll be listening to this. So, um, but yes, super grateful for you to you for letting us record in this beautiful space. The fact that you get to live in this space is really impressive. Thank you. Um, So we'll start like we did um, the other episodes. So tell us just like who you are, how you know us. Yeah. And we'll go from there. Oh, who am I? My name is Jimmy Nicole King. Um, I'm I'm technically still a newlywed. So I I had a pandemic wedding. Own it, yes. Yeah, I I had a pandemic wedding. Mm -hmm. So it's been just over a year. Uh, We celebrated a year in June. Thank you. We still like each other. (laughs) Yeah. Hey, hey. Um, so Jamina Nicole King. So I, I haven't legally changed my name because the pandemic and I don't want to go wait at the DMV in a pandemic. So, um, I still am getting used to calling myself King, but my last name is technically King. Um, I'm a mom, so I have two children. We're a blended family. So I have my daughter Zoe, who's 13 and my son Avery, who's four, um, who is brought to me by my husband. We have two cats. They're put away so that they don't jump <laughs> in Stan's lap during the recording. Um, I'm originally from Los Angeles, California. I was born and raised in LA, uh, but have been in Atlanta off and on since 2006. So 15 years now. Um, and so I guess technically, almost not, not quite as long as you guys, because um, you came for Institute, right? I was 2002, 2016. Yeah. yeah. So 14. I was 14. Yeah. yeah. So I... Um, Stan's so, been here forever. I'm, I'm an ATL. I came in 1995. Right. Okay. I'm an ATL. And never left. And never left. I was like, this is good. I love it. I'm going to stay right here. I'm saying. So I've tried other places. I went back to LA, tried to live there. You keep trying to leave. I keep trying to leave. And it just try to get out. And it keeps... Um, but I love this is home which is why we bought this house I'm never leaving I told Norman he's stuck like we divorce proofed ourselves by buying this home Um, and he will have to pull my cold dead body out of this house because I'm never moving ever again I have a decorative pillow in here I write (laughs) 
watch like, out for the house. I'm not leaving. Lance might be coming walking through the door. Um. So I. Um. But yeah, so that's a little bit about me. Um, what do you I, do? I work for Emory University. I'm a fundraiser. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I joke with people. I date people for a living. You know, my <laughs> ultimate goal is to get to third base where they're giving me money <laughs> for dinners. For the institution. Yeah. So I date people for a living. Um, but I raise money for... Um, higher education. And then we have a little side project, my husband and I, that we're doing, Norm and I are doing, um, called The Black Family. We'll talk about that a little bit more, but we just started, um, like a video vlog, is that what it's called? Mm -hmm. That's what the kids call it. That's what the kids call it. And the Tiki Talk. The Tiki Talk. (laughs) Every once in a while we talk about Stan is our TikTok expert. (laughs) I mean, hey. It's a vortex. It is. It's like like the seventh circle of hell. You can't get out. It's bad. It's, it's like, because you're like, I'm grown. Why am I watching this? Why am I doing but, this? But, like, you don't stop. You're just like, dog, I'm grown. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> Let me do something constructive. And you keep scrolling. You keep scrolling your life away. Yes. Um, so, we, we started a little um, project called The Black Family. Black is spelled B-L-K. Um, where we're telling stories around black family food and culture um, and design. So those are our passions. Um, but we can talk about that later. So that's a little about me. And yeah. And then how did we meet? Okay. So this is a famous story between Allison and Favorite I. story. Um, I met Allison when I started working at Horizon Theater here in Atlanta. It's a professional nonprofit mid-sized theater. Um, and Allison worked there as the graphic designer. She was the resident graphic designer and I started working there. And at the time, Allison had like long, beautiful locks and she's always just been so stylish, right? And this is... Absolutely. Same thing. When I met her, I was like, who's this stylish girl? Right? So that's consistent. It's all of her friends tell her that this, this is a consistent thing. This is when I wish I had hair to throw over my shoulders. (laughs) (laughs) So I was like, this... Cat is cool, but Allison was not feeling me because I have boundary issues, right? I Allison called me a kitty cat. She said I acted like I would. Have she you? like nuzzled me, and I was like, I don't know this person. <laughs> Why is she on my shoulder? I'm just trying to do my job. She's literally nuzzling me. What is happening? I was like, Who is this? So one time she was doing something graphically. In her design world. Designing graphically. (laughs) (laughs) Graphically designing or designing graphically, whichever you want to call it. And Allison is very, we'll just say Erica Badusha. She's very sensitive about her shit, right? So like like unsolicited comments and feedbacks, which I've learned in the last week. (laughs) No, but like 12 years that we've known each other um, that like, you yeah. don't, you, you're like, can I give you feedback, right? And if you don't finesse, have time to say that, you need to finesse that shit yeah. before you bring it. Right. Down. And yeah. so I didn't know this about her. So I was like, oh, that line's not straight. And she went, which is an Allison move. Yes. And I'm like, she said, again, who is this? She said, step back. Because we were in cubbies and I had stepped into her cubby. And she said, please step back. And then she pulled out a piece of tape like actual (laughs) masking tape and she taped the floor and she said you can't come over this line 
for a week. And I was like, <laughs> wait, can I add a little framing? <laughs> One piece of framing is that we worked in a bit, like old school building. And our office was a single classroom. And so in my mind, there was no reason to get up from your desk ever. Like everybody could hear everybody. We else. were as far away from each other in as like a this. regular voice. Yeah. There was no reason to get up at all to give me feedback or anything else. Just stay at your desk. <laughs> she just kept coming over, and so I was like, "I need to put a stop to this in some way." If she needs to come over here, that's fine. You can only come so far. And I was like, maybe a visual will help this person. Well, so the visual was there. It was but rude. then when it was I, what I did was the next time I wanted to go over and talk to her, I walked right up to the line and I put my feet right on the line and I was like, hey, <laughs> she hated me. But we have been friends ever, ever since. And she has grown into one of my closest friends, like, I was literally on my deathbed, and the first person I called was Allison. Like, I need you to handle my life because I may die in the next hour. <laughs> Which is not an overdramatization of what happened. Um, but, the, and then Stan, I don't, I was trying to rack my brain on the first time we met. It's, it's like. Probably because I'm always with. I'm, right. Like, like as long like as I've known together, Allison, I feel like probably, I've known probably Stan. probably know me, yeah. Because they come remember, as a pair. I remember coming over to Horizon. So yeah, something like that. Yeah, probably just me being there one day. You probably came to a play or something. Definitely, I know I've been to some plays, and probably just me dropping by the office. Yeah, so yeah. I don't, I don't actually have a starting place with you, no, which I, is I, nice. Yeah, we just kind of have through Allison. I think we've just known each other. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Stan is the great connector. I feel like you are too, though. Like all of your friends know each other. Because yes, but then they all know Stan, like yeah, across yeah. the board, from like my high school friends through to people I've met, like like because of the podcast now. Yeah, all my friends in Miami are like, I feel like I know him. I was just about to say, I think the only people I don't know are Miami people, but they know you. I know you the know them. Them. <laughs> on the podcast. All right, so let's jump in. Okay. Um. Again, like we had so many good conversations about belief on the yeah. other side of that first. Um, episode and so I I think you're gonna end up doing a lot of the talking here just okay. because and I don't even think Stan knows all of this. Um, so Jamina has ready. a fast get ready for some oh shit moment. Okay, okay. So I'll get ready. That's right. <laughs> all right. So start at the beginning. Um, how is belief framed for you in your formative years? Yeah. So um, little known fact about me: I was born into a, the Jehovah's Witness belief system. So both of my parents are Jehovah's Witnesses. My grandmother on my mother's side is a Jehovah's Witness. Her mother was a Jehovah's Witness. So there's a lineage of witnesses there. Um, and I grew up in that system. And if if you don't know a lot, excuse me, if you don't know a lot about that belief system, um, it can be de- described as very cult-like. It's very oppressive and controlling. It's a... Um, turn of this century millennial end times doomsday armageddon will come and destroy everyone belief right and so there's a lot of fear there's a lot of judgment there's a lot of belief around you know god is watching everything you're doing and you have to do right and if you do wrong then god will judge you and you won't make it into paradise um And so, you know, growing up in that, there was a lot of, I I thought of God, 
um, my understanding of God and the creator and the universe was that um, he was very punitive. Mm -hmm. It was a very, um, you know, like check the box. You had to do certain things in order to qualify for the love of God. So there wasn't grace. Grace was not a factor in that yeah. in that belief system it's it's not like god loves you and therefore he sent his son to it's like no you do these things and then god will love you mm. um and my parents parented that way you do these things and then we will love you and so like my entire belief system was shaped by performance um and so as a young child i lived for that right like because i'm a performer and um i was like I want to please. Um, but as I got older, I started butting up against um, some c contradictions because there was also in my household, um, there was abuse and trauma. And so you had on one side, you know, you have to do all these things right or God won't love you. And, and that being juxtaposed with, but behind closed doors and in the secret, these things are happening. And they're happening to you. Mm -hmm. um, and so that shaped me, right? And, and that created a discord in me starting going into my teenage years. And then um, when I decided that I needed to break away from that, I went to live with my grandparents who were traditional born-again Christians. And I, in high school, lived with them and went through conversion and had a traditional, I, I'm getting saved process so I got saved and went to uh, youth ministry and like we went in the woods and did a ropes course and I was like Jesus loves me it was a lot of jump for Jesus you know it was that time where like all the music was coming out of Hillsong and Hillsong was but you know rocking for Jesus and jumping for Jesus very progressive and that's that's how I grew into a different relationship with God um but again there was there was still there wasn't, um, the, the word that I'm looking for is there wasn't steadiness. And so there, and, and I didn't have a relationship with my parents because my parents, because I had gotten baptized as a Jehovah's Witness and then decided to leave, I was shunned. So I was rejected by my family. Um, so Jehovah's Witnesses are very similar to the Amish, very similar to fundamentalist Judaism, very, like where if you leave, you cease to exist. And so I was shunned by my family. So there was a longing for me for like a mother, father, daughter, familial relationship. So when I went to college, I started going to a church um, and the pastor and his wife took me in as their daughter and actually legally adopted me. Um, but then there was also trauma and abuse happening in that situation. And so across a lot of my experiences with belief, there has been this, this concurrent running theme of trauma and abuse. And I've always had to figure out and reconcile where God fits into what's happening to me and what people are doing to me. And so even now as a, an adult with her own kids you know I'm almost 40 and I've got a husband and kids and a mortgage and a job like I still wrestle with all of that baggage all of the trauma that I've experienced and how that influences my relationship with God and still have to 
like I think I'm so radical in in how I think about God and, and Allison and I have had conversations where it's like oh my gosh Jamina that's just so you know I'll say things I won't say them now but I'll say things that are so radical and like I I have taken it to a radical extreme because of what has happened to me. I've had to find my own path and I've radically jump in to, to, to carve that path out. So, so what was that, um, on the other side of coming out of both of those abuse situations, right? So as you're an adult living on your own, this is something that I'm kind of going through right now yeah. is this like, undoing of a lot of this programming you know i still jump whenever there's thunder because i think jesus is coming back so I, funny the the mic the air conditioner started running she's like what's that sack i can't and she's not. like I, jesus coming i think like, jesus is coming back anytime i hear anything weird it's i'm help pray for me um the lord's doing his work I, I mean, somebody's doing some work uh, god's up there going <laughs> Watch me, he's like, watch me, watch me get her, watch me get her, thunderclap. <laughs> um, so what, and I think, I think for me, it was a little bit of some of the, what, the effects of the pandemic, but I'm curious for you, like, when did you start to do that undoing for yourself? And maybe what were some of the things that kicked you into that type of thinking? Yeah, so I will say like it's a continuous undoing. Yes. I've not arrived yes. at my at the undoing of the damage that it, it has been done yeah. by way of religion, right, and control and abuse and. Um, I so love the way you separated religion from belief, because I think that's important. It is important, right? Because I have a very strong belief center. Like I believe very strongly in what I believe in, but religion, man's desire to explain God and control other people's thought processes, mm. right, for whatever their motivation is. And, and, and I'm not saying that the motivations are always negative. Like a religion, I think, has its place, but it's a very different thing than belief. And it's an, religion is a system, right? Belief is your exchange with all that is. However you choose to believe, and whatever you choose to believe in, that's your exchange. That's your currency with that. So it's still it's it's still an undoing. But I think where it started for me, and where I started to really be thoughtful about, um, just started asking questions in a real way, is when I had Zoe. Is when I became a mother, um, because I knew that I didn't want to subject my daughter to the same trauma that I've experienced mm -hmm. in the name of religion and other people's belief systems, right? I didn't want to impose onto her something that was not going to benefit her. Um, and I wanted her to be able to have a formative experience for herself that was meaningful. Yeah. So, and, and that's continued, right? And I've, I haven't gotten it wrong. Like, I went to a black mega church at one point for, and, you know, I've gotten some great relationships out of that. And, but like, would I go there now? Hell no. I'm like, that's damaging people, right? And that, and that system is damaging people. But at that time in my life, that's where I was. I've, um, I've gone through a period, I went through a period where I was very into spiritualism and like, crystals and 
the tarot and all of that stuff and like curious about that side of spirituality and like examine that i i read a lot of teachings from the buddha and you know and so like all of i've just i've gone through different periods where i've just absorbed and dabbled in different things so that i could chart my own path and still i'm figuring that out my husband was raised catholic and is very um committed to the catholic belief system but we have conversations all the time about catholicism the system and catholicism the belief Mm -hmm. and those two you those two things and how they butt up against each other sometimes especially given the hurt and the harm that the catholic church has done Mm -hmm. in mass Mm -hmm. to entire generations Mm -hmm. of people right and how do you reconcile catholicism the system with catholicism the belief which is very beautiful and feminist and Mm kind of like new agey like when you get into it it's it's really broad and deep and and colorful and diverse right and so how do you how do you balance those two things out so i i i continue to do the work um it, it, i don't think it i think it's a journey i don't think it ever stops no i agree i think the one thing that you said that really stuck out to me is you said when you started asking questions and i feel like that is the thing that for me wasn't all the way encouraged growing up. Same, yeah. yeah. And so it's like we we believe what we can't see, and you know, it's like you, faith. It's like faith, yeah, faith, faith, faith. And so again, like I feel like sometimes the way the word faith is used can be weaponized against mm-hmm. people to mm-hmm. be like, don't ask questions. Like mm-hmm. really, just take this. Take faith, yeah. And like, yeah, no, none of that makes any sense. But just don't. Think about that part and focus on this part. Mm-hmm. And so those questions, when you start asking like real questions, like, well, wait, d- that does wh- why is that like that? Yeah. Who, who decided that? Where did that come from? Those are the things that for me have opened up some of that. So I r- really resonated with what you said. Yeah. That. Yeah. And it's scary to start even asking those questions. It is. When... Your entire life you've been told that that's sacrilege, right? If if you question authority, God, yeah. the belief system that you're, is being put upon you, then you're a faithless person or you don't really love God. Yeah, or, yeah but you, well, and then I think even for you, like, not only is all that, but then it's tied with abuse mm-hmm. and trauma, right? So... Like, for me, like, I grew up very Southern, Protestant, mm-hmm. but there was always this notion of grace, right? And right. also, like Allison and I talked about in the last um, episode, like, last season, my faith was very much tied up in my blackness. Right. And, I, and a lot of what I grew up with was God is us, you know, mm-hmm. right? He has seen us through all of this trauma, all of this, and so there is a power in yeah. God. Yeah. And so even, but even with all of that, there's still this idea once you question it, oh, you don't really believe. Mm-hmm. Oh, you know, and that, like you said, that, that, that's something that is trouble for everybody. Yeah, but I, 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 what is fascinating is when you look at the Bible and when you really examine the Bible, one of the first stories told about Jesus is when he was 13 and his parents took him for Passover and they left him by accident. So we got to talk about Mary and Jesus being <laughs> dumbass parents. But they got three days away and they're like, 
wait a minute. Where the fuck is Jesus? <laughs> right? They had to go all the way back. And where did they find him? They found him in the temple questioning and conversing with the rabbis. So this idea that to question is not of God is goes against what the Bible said Jesus did, right? Yeah. Jesus was constantly like, yeah, but, mm, which is why the Pharisees hated him because he pushed up against the norm of what was being taught. He's like, yeah, I didn't, did you? I, mm, rewrite, right? Yeah. And, and so, like, when you start looking at the stories of the Bible for yourself, you start to identify, oh, God wants us to be curious. God wants us to say, did you really? Is that what you said? Is that what you said? Or did Paul say that? Because Paul was crazy, right? <laughs> like, <laughs> did you say that, God? Or did Paul, with his radical behind, who was always beefing with the other apostles, say that, right? And, mm -hmm. and then when you start really looking at who said what and the context under what it yeah. said, which is super important, like, People don't realize the Bible was written, the context, and you talk about that, you talked about this in the last mm -hmm. episode, mm -hmm. is you learning about the context under which right. so many of those stories came. When you when you start examining mm -hmm. that, then you're like, okay, that's not what God said. Yeah. He didn't mean any of that. That's and all you're left with is questions. And then all you're left with is questions. And it felt, you know, it's like going through that, to me, it's like as soon as you take the Bible out. It's it's like a Jenga thing, right? As soon as you take the Bible as like the inerrant word of God and everything is perfectly true and correct and you're supposed to live according to it. Like as soon as you take that out, I was like, whoa, shit, things get got real shaky. And that's where you have to ask questions because everything that you were taught was based on that. Yeah. And so then you're like, well, now I must examine not only these words and these passages and these like ideas that were passed down to me but the whole thing yeah like the whole thing yeah which you know as we have seen leaves you in a weird place but then can take you but to like a great place freedom yeah yes. it's also freedom like you know you, like you said you can just you can explore and you can fill out <clears throat> what is really what is god what do you actually believe right yeah at the end of the day and yeah. like but the, and that's like a hard thing for people it's scary. It takes the ground you're standing on. Yeah. Really? It's, yeah. Then, well, it's not just that. It's your identity. Right. So, yes. so, so much what people don't realize is their belief system about God is actually yes. a reflection of who they are. If you are a kind, compassionate, gentle, loving, gracious, open person... That's what you will bring to your belief system. If you are a judgmental, dogmatic, hateful, gotta get oppressive, gotta get it right person, your God is going to reflect that, right? And so that's that's what what people are afraid of, I think, is to face their own identity. Mm. That it's not about God. It's about who am I in God, right? Or who is God in me, either one. It Mm -hmm. flip a coin it's two sides of the same mm -hmm. coin but who am I and and people struggle with that and that's a you got to get like really real about who you are because at the end of the day if it's all fake anyways and this is all we have we still gotta deal with our shit that's right, right? That's right. us doing the god thing is just our human brains trying to make sense of 
the the world we exist in. But if none of that is real, then it's really you. Right. God is the mirror to you. Right. So, I also think that you know you mentioned people being like afraid to face that. I think when I wasn't really facing who I was, it wasn't fear. I don't think maybe there was some fear underneath it, but I definitely feel like there's just like teaching. It's like hide yourself in Christ, right? Mm. It's like God exists and then I exist. And it's always like a, a, a we're taught to be second. Mm-hmm. And so the idea of identifying who you are and spending time on yourself feels like antithetical to what we're supposed to be doing. That's yeah. how I felt. And so... I think because you're supposed to be focused on God. Okay. Correct. And you're supposed to be, I was always taught to like pray about changing myself to be more more, in the image of God. Exactly. To be more Christ-like, which, you know, they could throw that on anything, whatever they want me to do at the time. And again, I won't even say that people are doing this in like super malicious ways. But can I say it? Go ahead. Because people don't realize (laughs) that Jesus is so human, right? Here it comes. Like, this whole notion of being Christ-like, like, like, we do realize that Jesus got his dick sucked, right? (laughs) Like, he he was running around with tax collectors and hoes. That's what the Bible says. That is not something Jemina made up. So, like, it just, when you think about it, like, this notion of being Christ-like, what does that really mean? God said, the Bible says Jesus was perfect in all of his humanity. He came and experienced everything we experienced, including getting things done to him. And so, <laughs> so like, I, I, yeah, it's, it just, I, that was a realization that I came to when I realized people were trying to control my body. That's right. My sexuality, my agency, mm-hmm. all of those things through Christ. I'm like, Jesus was out there wild. First of all, first of all, he didn't have his first miracle until he was, how old? 30. Where did he have it? At a wedding. At a wedding. And his mama was like, do this ministry. He's like, nigga, you see me partying? This is not my time. Like, Jesus was, name a 30-year-old male version. I'll wait. I'll wait. Jesus was wilding. So you want to talk about being Christ-like? I am being Christ-like. <laughs> <laughs> like, now I want to pick and ask you, like, a hard, a real question here. <laughs> anyway. Um, okay, so we've mentioned this a couple times, right? This idea about religion versus belief. Right. So, what do you believe? So, ooh, that is such... So... I believe that in spite of the things that have happened to me in my life and the things that have been done to me, that all that is God, the universe, your whatever name you want to put on it, loves me so radically that he chased me down through that. Right. And so this notion of sin that people struggle with, I don't think sin is you transgressing against God. 
I actually believe that sin is you moving through your existence and God chases you through that to, to give you grace. That on the other side of that, God is still like pursuing you. That's what I believe, that God has always pursued me. That through those pains and through the abuse and through the abandonment and through the judgment and through my imperfections and the mistakes that I've made and the bad marriages and the, you know, the decision to chase a boy and all of that, God was like, it's okay, I'm going to catch her. I'm going to catch her. Eventually, I'm going to catch her. And then you get to a point where God catches you and you're like, oh. And you're held. And you're held. Right. And then that's where peace is. Mm-hmm. I think that's where peace comes from, when God finally catches up to you. And, and, and so for me, my goal as a mom is to shorten the amount of time for my kids where God is running after them. I want them to be in a place where they're held sooner. That's my goal. And so whatever I can do to facilitate that, whatever I need to do to teach them, whatever I need to introduce them, whatever freedom I need to give them to figure that out and explore, that's, that's my goal as a mom. And my goal as a wife is to create a space and a home where there's peace so that God can pursue our family and hold our family. So that's what I believe right now. I like that analogy. Because I'm thinking about now a couple of things. So I guess one thing, what do you do when you feel yourself kind of pushing against that hope of God? Yeah, so God and I have real conversations. Like there are times where I'm like, what the fuck, right? Like those are the words I actually say to God. You do, I'm sure Um, you do. Nobody doubts that. (laughs) (laughs) Nobody doubts that. Um, And what I find is in those moments, it's not that I'm pushing against God. It's that it's like, I don't know if you've ever had the experience of an infant or a toddler who's wrung themselves up, wound themselves up so tight that even if you hold them, they're fighting yes, you because they're, they're, that's just they they're, str- they're just, yes. and they just have to like go through that. And I feel like that's the state I'm in, but God is still holding me like, it's going to be okay. I'll still be here. Go ahead, throw your tantrum. And so I throw my tantrum. And then at the end of it, I'm usually like, okay, can I take a nap now? <sighs> right? Because that's usually what happens afterward. And that can last an hour. That can last weeks. I've gone through periods where that's lasted years, right? Of me throwing a tantrum in God's arms. Um, and what is comforting is to know that he's still, he's still holding me. There's the, he's still pursuing me and still holding me. So, yeah. Mm. Wow. It's a word. That's a word. That's a word. word. You've had several words. I mean, as 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 much as I may drift from like the black Christian tradition, I'm keeping all these. It's a word that won't he do it. I'm keeping all those yeah. Yeah. things. Yeah. So yeah. Just for the record. Um so this podcast is about family. Yeah. We are a family. Yeah. And one thing we wanted to discuss while we have you is this idea of like relationships and belief yeah um you know so much of i was as i was coming in today i i saw 
I saw something that just felt very religious to me. I forget what it was. It was something. Was it the crucifix over the door? I don't think so. But like, not even in your house. Like somewhere, I was off of Camp Creek and I saw something that just felt very Christian-y. And I was just like, wow, this is such a religious city, right? It, yeah. it was so easy for me to fall into that, to have like a almost fully religious circle of yeah. friends. And so uh, as you know, you've been on this journey longer than I have, this sort of deconstruction and, and redefining and undoing. What has happened to you with your relationships along that path? Yeah, so there's a couple things, right? I think the first thing is, um, you know, not everybody is down with my thoughts about Jesus' sexuality, right? Like, if I just throw those things out there, they're like, you know what? I can't hang with me anymore. She's crazy. Right? So as I've become more radically who I am, mm -hmm. I think people have self-selected, mm. right? Mm. Like people get to opt in and opt out of our beliefs. I think our job is to believe what we believe. Now, I, I am also not of the mind that I'm going to impose my beliefs on anyone, right? I get to state what my beliefs are, but I'm not, I'm not, if, if you don't agree with me that things happen the way they happen or or God is what I believe God is. That's that's your, you get that. Mm -hmm. I think where I draw hard lines is anything that exists in an ism. Mm -hmm. So racism, sexism, any patriarchy, any genderisms, all of those things. Um, anything that is rooted in hatred, right? Or oppression, um, those things I'm like, yeah, no, we can't do that. But like, at the end of the day, what I feel like is more often than not, there are similarities in our beliefs. Like whether you follow the teachings of Buddha or you're Catholic or you're Jewish or you're Protestant or, you know, even agnostic and atheist people, like fundamentally at our core value, it, our, at the center of who we are and where our core values stand, there's more similarities than there are differences once you get over the language. Mm -hmm. I think where we get hung up in differences is the language of things, right? It's like, I believe in Jesus. Well, I believe in Muhammad. Well, then we can't flow. Like, or we could sit and talk, have a great conversation as to why Muhammad is dope and Jesus is dope and what their similarities are and what our similarities are. And I can learn something from you and you can learn something from me, so. That's, I think, much easier said than done. Yeah. I think it's interesting you said those two examples. Like, I literally, you know, I had someone I was talking to back. Oh, that's right. The days. Yeah, that guy. And we were. We won't, we we won't were, call his name. We will not call his name. <laughs> uh, we definitely both were like, I need you to be X. Yeah. And I need you to be X. And, you know, obviously he was not my husband, but we never had those conversations. And I feel like the, the version of me back then certainly would have felt like affronted in some way mm. by that. Because I was like, there is a way. It is, I have that way. And I don't want to try and convince you. And I don't want to have this kind of, because you're going to try and convince me. And I don't want that. And I feel like one of the wonderful side effects of doing this type of opening up is, is that there are so many more relationships and conversations that you can have 
truly. And maybe maybe other other people who are fundamentalists don't think like me, but like I was like I was terrified of those conversations. I'm like, no, no, mm, no, no. You're taught to be terrified of those conversations. <sighs> yeah. I mean, and some of it is like I think you can't when we talk about belief. We're also again putting it in that context of like history and all the things that we know. So like, if, like when you say when you talk about Jesus and Muhammad and Eastern religions, like intellectually we know that most of Christianity, it's the rituals young. is is young. But not only that, the it things that we think are Christian religions. comes from other religions, right? Like we're still Muslims and Christians are fighting over a place because they both consider that that same place their origin. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So thinking about that again goes back to Jamila's idea of things are really much more similar mm-hmm. than we're taught to believe. But because so much of our belief, when we're not examining it, is based on the context of history. Like, why are we even Christians? You know what yeah. I'm saying? Like, why we as black folks are Christians? Why certain people are Muslim? Why certain people? Because there's context to that. Yeah. And so much of that is why we, because we can't escape that context, we can't really see what's similar about all of it and get to that thing. Like you said, like, at the root of most religion, most faith, most belief is compassion. Yeah. Is God is love. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, I love that thing that you said about God being a reflection really of who you are. Mm-hmm. Like, that, that's real. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. That's that's. I think that's why we have that difficulty synthesizing and really being like, okay, just because you believe this, it is not an affrontery to what I believe. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. What about you, Stan? What about re- relationships through transitions? And I don't know if you've had as many. See, and I don't think I, like I have not strayed as far. I shouldn't say use the word straight because that implies some kind of judgment. But I have not been in this journey with you all probably in the same way not nearly as deep but what I think I have what happened to me is that even staying close to my childhood faith being exposed to more of the intellect part of it Mm -hmm. gave me some context that challenges those things that you hear Mm -hmm. on Sunday right and so one of the things that I think I think I said is when you're like, I would like to think that I have grace, you know, when talking with people about what they believe. But I think just like Jamina, like there are certain things that you can't have grace with. Yeah. Like, right? Like I can't compromise my humanity or yours. Yeah. And I think that's the ultimate place where you have to start. Like when people are, when people's belief compromises your humanity. Right. Or the human, like, you know, or other people's humanity, then it's, it's not a place where you can start. No. And then I also think, again, there's a seasonality mm-hmm. to people mm-hmm. and a seasonality to where you are. Yeah. And I think that that's key to understanding that, you know, some relationships, some things, like for you to grow, for you, like you said, for you to be in that hold, you have to let go mm-hmm. of some stuff. Mm-hmm. For you to really, truly embrace that love of God, you got to let go of some stuff and some people. Right. Yeah. And that, that's kind of where I am with that. Yeah. No, yeah, I totally resonate with that that seasonal part when I think about this question, especially since, um, you know, sometimes, for me, this is especially true, it's like when relationships are founded in religion or, or began in a religious space, 
it can just feel like such a touchy subject. Yeah. And, you know, especially when you're like, I know exactly what you think about what I, what I'm saying. Because I used to think the same thing about other people when they said that. Yeah. And so I tried to assign that to people. Um, like my so far, like my friends have all been super gracious about it. But I think it's interesting to go from with folks who I met at church. It's it's mm-hmm. interesting to go from having that like common language that was like always threaded through conversations yeah. to now where it's like it is missing. Like it, it it's like gotten dropped out of There's this a conversation loss. because I think it's like well. I feel I feel like people are trying to be sensitive to the way that I'm thinking now, um, but it's something that's noticeable. Like it feels really noticeable to me that it's like this thing that was not a foundation, but a, certainly like a core value, a shared core value with folks, and it feels like it's different. And so it just feels like. Like, I want, I try to be careful, but I also try to be brave and not, like, back away from any, anything that I'm thinking and, like, share openly when it comes up. But I I think, again, it's, like, ooh, like, we're a lot, we're different now. Well, but I don't think you are because I've I've known you for a long time. Mm -hmm. Stan has known you for a long time. I've seen you through your transition. Who you are and your core values are fundamentally still the same. Yes. Right? And so I think... I think what we do is we assign value to systems, right? To religious systems. Mm-hmm. But I I think your belief is still fundamentally, like your belief in God, mm-hmm. your belief in your relationship with God is still fundamentally there. How that gets exercised changes based on what you're taking on this off the shelf and put back on the shelf mm-hmm. that analogy you used in your last in the mm-hmm. last episode about belief right like you are becoming more gracious and more compassionate i think with yourself mm-hmm. right and and that's what i think people people think that the the struggles and the workings and the massaging we have with belief is about us becoming more compassionate with other people and i don't think that's what it is i think it's giving ourselves grace mm-hmm giving ourselves the grace that God wants us to experience so that we can get freed up to really live and enjoy things. And like, yeah. God's like, smoke that weed, boo-boo. <laughs> yes, light it up, right? Have that glass of wine. Go get you some head. Like, all of those things, God is here for it. And he wants us, he wants us to give ourselves the grace and compassion that he sees for us. Yeah. And then we can exercise grace and compassion to others. So. Yeah. You can't I, give what you don't have. Right. I definitely resonate with that. I think that, I think you're right about my core values being the same. I think the one thing that is a new thought that I'm thinking about is, and this is a question that I was kind of wrestling with, with my, my living room group that I meet with. Yeah. Um, yeah. Last week, you we were talking about like, the identity of God, and there goes the cuckoo clock. There's the cuckoo clock. Cuckoo clock. Sorry, I forgot to turn it off. <laughs> we have um, cuckoo clock. It's very cute. cute. It's so cute. Um, one thing that I am wrestling with, though, just to, to respond to what you said, is that is the identity of God. And what I believe, what I think, what I have evidence for. And so 
I don't know that I can say that my relationship with God is the same. Mm. Um, because God as a concept feels much more nebulous to me. Um, yes. So that's an idea without a period, but yeah. that's some, that's the, what I'm working. Yeah. Right now to I know that space. Right. Yeah. yeah. And, and which is why I went on this quest for explore on this exploratory quest where I was like, is it God? Is it the universe? Mm-hmm. Is it a black hole? Is it me? Is it, you know, mm-hmm. and, and ultimately I kind of arrived back at the place where I started, mm-hmm. but I, I got, I got cl- real clear about what I believe about what God was. And so it's a journey. That's a yeah. journey. Yeah. That's a, that's really a journey. It feels weird. It, but good. Yeah. Yeah. The yeah. shelf analogy, like taking the books off the shelves and taking the shelves down. Well, the shelves are down. The shelves are down. The, the bolts We're are about out. to knock yeah. the whole damn wall. The shelves, yeah. Open concept, everything. Exactly. Like you said, and it's a I, demolition. Yeah. And then the strength of the relationships, too, I think matters, right? Yeah. Like the people who, like you, like you said, you have those core values, that relationship that stands kind of time. Mm-hmm. They're willing to take that journey with you, yeah. or at the very least, provide a space, safe space for you to have that journey. Yeah, yeah. right. And and so, like you said, they're and they're just, like everybody's not gonna make that journey with you. Everybody's not going to want to, and I think that has to be okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, whew. dope conversation, friends. Believe, believe. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I'm still thinking about God. Like, I feel like that's something I knew intellectually, but I love the way you said it. God is a reflection of you. Yeah. And then thinking about that, how what you reflect makes other people question what they reflect. Mm-hmm. And that's what's so uncomfortable, mm-hmm. right? Because then when you start reflecting, like, okay, so if I am compassionate, if I am generous, but these people that I love are not. What is their place? What is this? Yeah. And I think that's, I mean, like, that's the struggle, right? Right. Like, I always think about, like, when you said, if I am, I was like, if I am free, like, that, showing that freedom to someone else, and maybe that's part of what, what set it all for me, too, It's like, seeing people who are really free, Yeah. and I'm like, shit, I am not free, and let me figure out the, all the ways that I'm not. Yeah. That's a big one for folks. I think that somebody really being free, freely and fully themselves, yeah, who makes people who aren't themselves get all kinds yeah. of yeah feelings, it's, especially if you never questioned yourself. Right. Like, right. I think there are people. I think that if you've questioned it, if you understand that everybody has their own path, and no, but like if you are certain. And so, like you said, so much of what religion is, mm-hmm. is that it is certain. That's right. Right. Like, it is certain. And it's certain. certain, and it's here. And you need to be here. Yeah. And if you're out there, yeah, then you're something so. other. Yeah. Which, one of the things that I think is the most beautiful about God, and this is a little bit of a reference to what you're, you talked about you're going through right now, mm-hmm. is the abstractness of mm-hmm. God. The idea that God is actually not... A certain contained thing. God, God, the concept of God itself is abstract. It's trippy. It's really freaky, right? (laughs) And 
the miracle of Jesus and the miracle of Mary and the miracle of salvation. God, the universe, belief, all of those things are huge abstract concepts. And we're trying in our feeble minds to make sense of them. And the best thing we can do is find people who can roll with us on the journey. Mm -hmm. And that's what it's about. Like when you talk about relationships, I, I just need you to roll with me on my belief journey. I don't need you to agree with me. I don't need you to have the same belief I have, but I need you to roll with me while I figure out what my journey is. And that's, that's where I've arrived in my life. Yeah. Well, this has been dope. And I'm awesome. grateful. <laughs> um, I feel like this is a good space like, to have this yeah. too. I think this, this, this is ordained needed to happen in some kind of way. Yeah, like just comfort, the beauty of this space. Thank you. And yeah, no, this needed to happen in person. Yeah. This was ordained, I think. Thank it you. Was. Stan, what's up for you? Um, switching total gears, um, I discovered the public library has an online audio. Yes. Don't know why I did not know this. I think I knew that. I think I, I don't know, know why I did you not know You can check this. it out, put it in your queue. Yes, yes, yes. You're just figuring this out? I figured it out kind of in, I think in March of the pandemic. Okay. So, said all that to say, Crazy Rich Asians Trilogy is what I've been listening to for like the past three weeks. Okay. And it's, I mean, it's just fluff. It's, is the is movie it, the beginning of the trilogy? The movie is the beginning okay. of the trilogy. Okay. So that means we're getting more Crazy Rich Asian movie? I think we are. I okay. think I heard that there was more coming. Okay. Yeah. Because it was very good. I really, I really so, love Crazy Rich Asians. I will be mad if they pull a Bridgerton and they're like, your favorite characters are gone. Trash. Yeah, and I'm like, what? Yeah. Okay. No. Well, like, and so, of course, because the books are 10 times more detailed than the movie, mm -hmm. you know, it's just 10 times more fabulous mm -hmm. and excessive and all of those things. But So it's a good listen. Okay. So, Crazy Rich Asians trilogy audiobook. Awesome. That's awesome. what's up for me. Awesome. What's up for you? I am hiring. So my schedule is fully consumed by hiring. My business is growing. I'm super excited. Yay. I am moving into more of a creative director position instead of doing the design myself, which is really fun to get to manage again, um, to get a little bit out of the weeds, yeah. to pull up a level. Um, so yeah, man, I'm just excited that my business is growing, that this is going to give me more time to focus on the creative retreats, which, you know, I love an event. Yeah. <laughs> I love an event. Um, so, and then, you know, the one that we had two weeks ago was just so meaningful and so powerful for everybody who was there. So it was exciting to get to do that with more entrepreneurs and provide that space and then to create that community. Um, so I'm really really excited to be hiring some folks i mean i'm like you interview with me today you literally might start tomorrow like i'm like i have this project <laughs> for you to start right now so that's what's up for me to me what's up for you what's up for me um as i mentioned earlier my husband and i are starting we've started this project the black family um so we set up cameras in our house in our kitchen um, and we make a meal and we have really crazy, funky conversations similar to this one. Right up your alley. Um, right up my alley. Um, he tells me I need to not swear so much, but whatever. Um, You're like, come with me on my journey. Okay. Come with me on my journey. I just need this you to is, roll with me. This is my journey. I need you to just roll with me. You may not believe the same thing, but I need you to roll with me. Um, so we're doing that. Um, you can follow along at The Black Family. 
BLK. The cool way to spell it. The cool way to spell it. Um, and yeah, and listen to our crazy shenanigans and watch Norm chop vegetables so beautifully. It's like the sexiest thing in the world. My husband chopping vegetables. <laughs> I'm excited to watch it. I don't think I'm going to think it's sexy. I, I, I would be concerned if I did, yeah. but I'm excited to watch yeah. it happen tonight when he cooked dinner for me. Yes, he's making black people spaghetti, which is different than regular spaghetti. You know what black I people spaghetti I know black people spaghetti, spaghetti <laughs> so I'm excited for it. I'm excited. Thanks, right. guys, for coming over. It's and been fun. thank you for hosting thank you for us. Having yes, us. I'm going to be mad. I'm going to go back, go to, back to my Zoom. little Zoom <laughs> by my closet. So when I show up in two Sundays, I'm going to door. I told, I told her, I was like, I'm going to just spend all my money money flying here every Sunday to record. Yes. That's a good way to spend my money, right? Yeah. And I'll just knock on the door. And on that note. <laughs> yeah. Support for this podcast comes from Lilacs on York Creative Studios. The Family Meeting is produced by me and Allison. Our theme song is by Will Salua, and it is entitled 135th and Coffee. You can find the show notes on what we discussed, including links posted in the blog section on lilacsonyork.com. And you can keep up with the show on Instagram at lilacsonyork and on Twitter at The Framley Meeting. You can also now watch us have these conversations on the Lilacs on York channel on YouTube. You can find me on social at Allison K. Mason on IG and Twitter, even though I do not tweet. You can find me on social at Twice11 on IG and Twitter, even though I do not post on IG. Thanks for listening. Meet you here next week.